Dead Romantic are a melodic hard rock band from the UK. I caught up with Mike, Dan and Sam from the band to talk about their new single and music video, Waste of Who I Am, their upcoming album, what touring will be like now and how they found music and a whole lot more. Anyway, let's dive right in. Uh, you know, your new single, Waste of Who I Am. Tell me a little bit about uh, the song. The song, uh, so Waste of Who I Am is, is kind of about um, being undervalued as as a person, I guess. It's about sort of being sick mm -hmm. of like being told to be somebody else, like specifically in a relationship, but generally anywhere, like being told that you're, I suppose your character's not something that's um, that somebody wants or they want you to change to be somebody else. And it's kind of like a, no, I'm not going to change. This is who I am. And if I were to try and be somebody else, that would be a waste of who I am. But the title is actually taken from a, a quote from uh, Kurt Cobain from Nirvana, I believe. I'm pretty sure he said that at one point. Mm -hmm. And if he didn't, now I'm going to tell him what he did. <laughs> He's not here to argue about it. <laughs> you, uh, you also have a music video out, uh, you know, a, a dark sort of music mm. video. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, The video was sort of cool. We kind of threw it together pretty last minute. We tend to do that, mm -hmm. um, but it the the video kind of um, very Halloween vibes. Yeah, because like the, the the release came out sort of Halloween time, so we thought let's do something sort of a little bit spooky, a little bit creepy, um, and it kind of gave it this sort of like the sort of creepy stuff and the horror stuff was kind of this sort of green sort of negativity or whatever. It kind of tied into the song a little bit as well, which is which is cool because good when they play. <laughs> when there's a point to it. And we, and we just that we just like the creepy imagery for that time too. It's not like we're, you know, a devil worshiping creepy band. We're yeah. We're actually yeah. nothing like that. But Do you remember when she came out in zombie makeup though for yeah. the first time and we were in this like really creepy abandoned building uh -huh. and she came around the corner in the dark and it was terrifying <laughs> and then she made this horrible squealing sound there's a video of it somewhere i'm gonna post it to the socials but it, this horrible like scream growth but i think i think metal music is that much more effective right with just the dark visuals and the imagery I think it makes the music more effective. I think so. I mean, metal's always had like this darker, mysterious thing. I and mean, even like bands like Black Sabbath and some of the founders, like, you know, in person, they weren't really biting the heads off rats and things. So, but it just gave it mysterious, like, like, I want to know what that's about, I think. Yeah. And, um, and it's like, your metal would be really weird if everyone was wearing like unicorn outfits. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, just, it just wouldn't, I can't, I can't see it like being like a Katy Perry video with like yeah. bright colors and, and just, Maybe we should do that. Maybe that's people are gonna like that next video earlier. <laughs> could be the lollipop. <laughs> but, but do you think you, you put out music videos for every song, every single that you put out has a video, yeah. right? Do you, do you think that helped you connect with your audience better? I think so. I think the we live in kind of a multimedia world at this point, don't we? Like everyone's all over mm -hmm. the internet. Everyone's accessing media and, and content. 
like 24 seven. So the more sort of media platforms that you can, you can reach the more people you're going to reach. That, it seems to be that most people, when you like say, Hey, you know, check out this band, the first place they go is YouTube. So yeah. to be acceptable on there, I think it's the smart decision. And for us, I think most of our streams have come uh, on, especially yesterday and uh, kiss with the live come from video, video streams. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, it's always important to have a good image and a visual aspect for, you know, for engagement, really. I mean, because to keep someone's attention these days is really, really, really hard. There's so many great acts and um, so many bands that have so many great videos. So I think you have to be on that kind of playing field. And, you know, you, you've been putting out singles all of last year, right? Is it is it a strategic thing? Uh, instead of putting out an EP or an album, do you think it's uh, it makes sense to put out singles periodically just so you're sort of top of mind with your audience? I think a degree of that is strategic. Uh, it's also bankrupting us. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, there is a strategic element because we didn't, you know, we kept pushing the album back because of the lockdown and the restrictions because we want to be out there to tour an album. And um, I think it's, it is still a singles world right now and people are are listening to singles more than anything so i think what we're going to do is the first five singles that we release put them in repackage them as an ep and then when the restrictions and all of that and life resumes when all of that ends hmm. that's when we'll release the album because we want to be able to tour off that album and the thing is is that all these songs were kind of written in lockdown hell and so that was pretty much all we could do was release videos and singles and, and even shooting those were hard around the restrictions. That's why during the yesterday video, we're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Cause that was in lockdown. I mean, yeah. But, uh, do you guys have a tentative date or a time frame for the album? What can you tell me? I about can the tell album? you that whatever we say will be bullshit because we've moved. It to the time. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I think that we're going to do it around the summer. That's the plan now. I mean, we've said it three times. Okay. About, you know, we're going to do it in February. We're going to do it in this. But all that has been kind of based around when we think things are going to lift. But I think having a record around the summer, an EP when we tour in February, March-ish would be good. Um, we're we're going to definitely release another single when we tour in February. Um and yeah, mm -hmm. maybe, I would say probably the summer would be the, the target of when this is going to be out. We also, because of the timeline with vinyl too, we, we want to release a physical version of it. Um, and the lead times mm -hmm. right that with that right now are ridiculously long. Like people can't, I, I mean, every band that we know has been like, sorry, we got to delay our album. We can't get vinyl pressed. And I think we're in the wrong business. We should get a vinyl yeah, pressing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we need to invest in some of that machinery. <laughs> Yeah, vinyl sales are through the roof in uh, Europe and the UK. Yeah, like. it seems to have had a new lease of life. So I can't remember who we were talking about it with yesterday. And they were saying that they've got like a younger nephew or something. And they, they were like, oh, have you seen this new way of playing music? It's called vinyl. And the guy was like, what are you talking about? That's like age old technology, but like 1920s. Yeah. <laughs> the younger generations of of like music lovers are getting into vinyl now and it's becoming like a, a collector's item. I mean, like it always was and there's always been people that have been sort of loyal to it and, and collecting vinyl, but it seems to have really um, 
there's been a massive sort of increase in, in people who love that and who like sort of collecting it. So why not do that? If, it, if it's sort of popular yeah. at this point in time, then that's what we're going to do because that's what the people want. So Yeah. I wonder, like you said, if it's also because it lends itself to a lot of album art and a lot of visual representation. I wonder if it's because yeah. of that as well. Yeah. So people have got something to sort of hold they've got something to look at when you've yeah. got like a sleeve within a vinyl it's got like the lyrics printed in there and like photos mm -hmm. and things that it, it's like a whole package i think it's it makes you connect a bit more too yeah. it's like rather than it's like you know when you go on spotify or apple music you don't really it's your connection with it is is the playing of the music and that's it but when you like actually hold it in your hand and you can look at it and look at pictures yeah. and look, read album credits like what are those holy shit like who who makes this who played on this that's people don't want to see stuff i believe what is the what is the genesis of the band how did you guys come together uh there was an ad uh looking for very sexy men with long hair no uh, <laughs> oh we were the remnants i saw a uh a, it was a basically a facebook post a visual of Dan um, singing in a pub, a, a Zeppelin song, I think it was. And I had written a comment mm -hmm. saying, who is a singer? How can I find them? And, um, short story is that his wife reached out and said, this is Dan Taylor, here's his contact. And then I reached out to him and he didn't believe me at all. <laughs> I, he was like, oh, hi, my name's Mike. I've done X, Y, and Z. And I was like, uh, no. You're a random person from the internet was lying to me to get me to come to his house to, to do naughty things to me in your basement. Um, but no, yeah, we, we eventually sort of, we got talking and stuff and then we sort of met up and started writing songs and then, and then Sam, Sam came in, came in, Sam just stumbled upon us. Um, we were, so the music had a lot of sort of like the keys kind of vibe and we were like, we we want someone to do that. We want that to be like a, an integral part of the music, and to have it to be an integral part of the music and not have someone there actually playing the stuff would be sort of disingenuous. So we thought someone else. I mean, Sam's an amazing singer too. So someone else yeah. who can who can give it a damn break sometimes because vocally it's it's quite a hard record, and just having that extra voice that's you know a lot a lot better than mine is very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how would you describe the sound of the band diverse <laughs> i think it's like a melting pot of sound really i think there's not I, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's just one sound i think it's a combination of metal rock pop and even i would even go so far as some r&b stuff in there like the we always said mm -hmm. we wanted to write really great songs that could translate if you play them acoustically but also mm -hmm. things that we all grew up listening to and love there's sort of influences of all of our favorite bands in there and and new bands too so i think it's just it's, I, I would say a melting pot of just music ear sex <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's so many different influences i think that's what the thing is so like even within one song, you you might have one sort of verse hook that's really sort of R and B sort of style in the melody, and then literally a breakdown hits, and it's the biggest heaviest metalist 
thing that you could think of. And we like to mm-hmm. put that in there because it keeps people guessing, it keeps people on their toes, and it keeps you engaged. And it's, I mean, it's music that we like. So we, it sounds like music that we like. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's pretty cool, right? Because it's obviously every artist endeavor to kind of develop a slightly unique sound. Yeah. Right. And to kind of get there without sounding like uh, your influences, I think, is is quite the challenge. Always. I think, yeah. I mean, yeah. And to, and to throw things in that you wouldn't normally throw in in, in the genre, too. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. big background vocals or guitar solos and I don't know. Anything that we can yeah. put in there, they can get away with. We'll sneak it in. Yeah, but Mike, as a producer and somebody who's worked with worked with lots of other artists, how much does the producer get to influence the sound and the direction of the band <laughs> of a band? Um, I think normally a lot. I mean, they could, that's why people come to producers mm-hmm. is to kind of develop the band sound. Um, the, the difference with this project is is that we've kind of written the record and produced it as it went along. So we didn't like jump into this month, you know, months long pre-production thing. Okay, here's the demos. Now we're going to sit mm-hmm. with them and learn them and then we'll go in the studio. It was like, okay, let's write a song. Okay, let's record the song. It was, it was like that. We just wrote it and recorded it kind of at the same time. So, um, so I would say to answer your question, I, I would say that it's, it's kind of, yeah, I guess the production has a direct influence on the sound of it. It was kind of like natural, though, wasn't it? Like the what, like you say, with the production. If you if you get given an initial song, you in producing that song would mold it and change it, rip it apart, rip it apart, take things away and add things and, and all that. But that sort of came really organically throughout the process because it was happening simultaneously to to write in the song so the songs kind of molded themselves as they as they sort of came about yeah and, and you tend to be mm-hmm. a bit more critical with things too when you're close to it um, but we didn't go through these massive stages where we write something and then destroy it and then start again most of that was done with just melodies like we tried a melody and go ah yeah that's okay we could write a better verse or let's change the chords here and I think it'll be stronger. It was really quick. I mean, every song was done relatively quickly. And we can spend a lot mm-hmm. of time like destroying it or rewriting a ton of things. And the writing, do all of you write? Or is it just a couple of you? Everyone writes. I mean, everyone in the in the band is a writer. Dan and I wrote the majority of the record. And then we had a, a good friend in Nashville, Steve Diamond, come and write some songs. Um, but But it's like an open slate so anyone can come in with an idea and it's like okay let's develop that and change that into something uh, even though there's mm-hmm. two of us that have been the core writers because it, the project started before sam sam was involved um it's never been like a you know we have to write the songs thing it's like if you got a cool idea bring it to the table and then we'll develop it mm-hmm. one of the you know one of the other challenges obviously speaking to lots of people is you know getting your music discovered so are you guys trying to do anything different to get your music discovered uh, um i think we yeah, get the videos the yeah. you know we've had we had distribution through sony is where um we've been putting everything out with um so that helps us because we can reach a lot more territories than a normal music distribution it's like 200 and something territories mm-hmm. globally 
Um, I mean, you know, we're still we're still learning too because this is the first project that it's kind of our baby, and we're looking for new, fresh ways to get our music out there. And there's no rules to it anymore. The game is so open and changing at all times. And being that it's a digital world, it's like we're always trying to find new ways to get things out there. Um, I haven't discovered anything totally innovative that's worked better than anyone else yet. So if you have any tips, we could be the first man <laughs> that goes on, like, you know, an astronaut mission or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's play a game. If, if anyone's out there listening and you want to sponsor that. Elon, Elon, <laughs> yeah. We're here. We'll go on the we're plane, like, we'll go on the shuttle and we'll play a live concert on the shuttle. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you are you guys signed? You you said you're signed to Sony. Is we it? we have distribution. So I own a label um, that has distribution with Sony. So we've been releasing our records that way. But the band is. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say the band's officially signed. We've just been distributing through Sony. So we are kind of a free agent right now if we choose to be with a label. But we're completely independent, and our radio, we've had radio charting success completely as an independent band. Is also. But tell me, um, uh, Dan, how do you think COVID has changed uh, going out on the road? What What do you think is the current state of the music business itself? Um, I mean, it's changed touring in that you can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot less people. Yeah, there's a lot less. There's a lot less people doing it. It's. Um, I mean, now that mm -hmm. sort of it, in this country now, things have sort of opened up again, so you can go out and play shows. Um, but I think that <coughs> the whole thing is sort of polarized people in that there are a group of people who are still terrified to go and, and mix with that many people in one building. And so they're still sort of a little bit standoffish, don't want to sort of really go and, and do that. But then on the other hand, you've got the people that are so excited to get back out there and go to venues and go to shows that they'll literally go to anything like all the local venues and stuff like they'll they'll go see whatever band's on that week you know what i mean so it i think it's sort of dependent on the type of person really but we've we've played a couple of shows since full lockdown sort of ease um and i'm pretty sure the majority of our shows have sold out so i mean obviously there's people that want to go that want to go to the things so the shows, yeah. um We've now got these COVID passes and stuff. I mean, I'm not a politician. I don't know if that's going to work or not. They seem to think it will. Maybe it won't, but we'll see how it goes. I don't know. It's such a pain. Yeah. We can let, you know, now you got to prove all this to go to venue. I think it's going to hurt sales, definitely. I yeah. Think. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough sort of little while, I think, um, until I guess it's sort of accepted and that, that, we're as safe as we can possibly be and everyone just goes right okay back to let's go back to normal sort of thing mm -hmm. but i mean i if i was if i had all the answers dude i'd i'd have sorted it out by now that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but tell me a little bit about the early days what was your road to becoming a musician mine personally um yeah. So when I was a kid, when I was in uh, like school, um, I used to be in the choir and I used to get picked for the parts of the plays and stuff because I just sort of could sing. It was just something that I kind of did. 
and I was all right at it. So sort of sort of doing that. Um, and then when I got a little, as I got a little bit older, I got a little bit of stick for it and stuff. So I kind of quit. But then I got to 16 and I got to college and a buddy of mine came over to me and he was like, you used to sing at school, didn't you? And I was like, oh, yeah, years ago, like ages ago. He was like, all right, well, I've been learning to play the drums and I've got this guitarist guy and we're going to start a band. Do you want to be the singer? And I was like, yeah, all right. Then. So I just went along to sort of a rehearsal with them and we started playing music and it just felt like one of the best things that I'd ever been a part of. So I carried on and literally from there, I've just been in various different bands and I performed sort of solo for a while and and it's just sort of the rest is history, I guess. It's just some point of, like I just mm -hmm. did it and then fell in love with it. So just carried on. So for me personally, that's what it was. In terms of rock music, that was my cousin's fault. He brought me a Slipknot album and a Limp <laughs> uh, and a Linkin Park album and a Limp Bizkit album. And it's like, oh, I just bought these, you want to listen? And then I was hooked. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about you guys, Mike and, yeah, and Sam? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sam, was, Sam was a ballroom dancer. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I was wondering when this was going to come up in an interview. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've always kind of been one of those people that dabbles in a bit of everything, really. Um, yeah, like Mike says, I was a ballroom <laughs> Latin American dancer at one point. Can you tell? Okay, okay. <laughs> can't tell, can't tell. Um, yeah, so I was um, a similar sort of progression to Dan, really. Um, kind of singing when I was younger and, and kind of, you know, involved in a few different things and then got into bands quite young. Um, and then I was studying to be a doctor at one point and thought, now rock and roll seems a little bit more fun. So <laughs> not quite as lucrative. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> I got him in so rich. <laughs> um, I'd have had a job doing the pandemic at least. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and yeah, just just kind of decided to jump in at uh, 18 into the industry and, and kind of started off doing pretty much anything that, that I could really. And then, yeah. Mm -hmm. Here we are. <laughs> and me. Uh, <laughs> I started playing very young. I think it was four when I started playing guitar. And um, I think just being really, really young, I was just obsessed with music. Every aspect of it, mm -hmm. like how drums sounded, how things were, you know, listened to. My mom was a big music fan. She was in the Beatles and any anything that was cool and rock and coming out. Your mom so, was in the Beatles? Yeah, she's into the oh, right. <laughs> um, which one was she yeah um so you know i had parental influence probably subconsciously that of all really great music that kind of led me to to be into it but ever since being really little it's all i've ever wanted to do um mm -hmm. and I, I just kind of had uh, it's almost like i had no choice it was like that that's what i'm here to do music and, you know, whether it's the powers of be or God or whatever you believe, but, but whatever that is, it's like you're doing this and nothing else. Even when yeah. I've tried to do other things because music hasn't been the most lucrative thing at times, it's like, no, you're yeah. doing that. So that's that's what I know and what I love. So I have no choice. Yeah, I was just going to ask, you know, what else would you have done if not for music? you know do you see yourself doing something else 
Uh, when I was really little, I mean, if you don't I wanted to be a so. hockey player. I was, I was a hockey player. <laughs> so, Canada, and I'm Canadian, so uh, <laughs> the, uh, what else? I think if I wasn't doing music, it would be I wanted, OnlyFans. I wanted to be, yeah, yeah, you're just having OnlyFans, don't you? <laughs> Not yet. Hex, hex, hex on OnlyFans. Uh, no, I think uh, I wanted to be a scientist. Uh, that's what I, I mean, when I was little, my mom said I had a, like a little, my chemistry set and my microscope and I would walk around with my lab coat on and thinking I was a doctor. Um, but and I've always been fascinated by, by that stuff. And I've been fascinated by archeology span too. So I have uh, you know, yeah. other passions that I would, I would pursue if I wasn't doing this, but this is like, this is what I am, you know? I think the majority of what makes up me. And if he wasn't doing music, it would be a waste of who he is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was a math teacher. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Before I met Mike, I used to teach maths in a college. So, wow. yeah. Is that a wow of wow? Well done. Or a wow of shock? <laughs> is that a wow of shock? Like you thought I was thick. Yeah, with with a little bit of shock, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I used to do. Um, but I think dream career, if I could do something else, I think I'd still just be trying to be center of attention. I'd probably be like, if, <laughs> the dream would be maybe like an actor or yeah. something like that. Literally just <laughs> not an erotic actor. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Jared Diggler. But... <laughs> So you guys go back. Uh, you're you're back on the road in uh, February twenty two, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, wait. You have a tour. Yeah, yeah. February uh, kicks off on the seventeenth. Somewhere around there. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere around, around there. there. <laughs> um, We're actually here at our uh, studio today for rehearsals for the tour. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And these are are you are you doing any festivals? Are you doing? Uh, or these are just you know shows that only you guys These are, are small uh, club dates headline club dates for our art because it's our first tour but after that after the february run i believe we do in march sometime we have a festival uh yeah we've got a couple of festivals booked um around the uk um and we're hoping that we can book more we're, we're literally just sort of so itchy to get out and and play now so Anything we mm -hmm. can play, anything that suits. Um, we're just waiting to fill the calendar now. Yeah. That's it for this week's episode of Tales from the Road. Tales from the Road is brought to you by the Concert Photographer and Moving Pictures Media. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify or Google Play. Thank you for listening.